Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Man, uh, it is so cool. Long weekend and having so many people out. I was just looking around as I, was, uh, as I came in. I was looking at the, uh, the congregation, and I was trying to do some math in my head about whether or not we've got enough communion cups <laughs> for this morning. So anyways, servers, just so you know, just as a point of, of order here, uh, there are extra trays just outside that door <laughs> out there if we need them. Okay, a little bit of that logistics out of the way. Um, man, again, excited to see you. We are in a series this morning, and we're going to get right to it um, because we've got a lot to cover this morning. We're doing a series called uh, Prayers of Biblical Proportion, where we've been looking at different prayers throughout Scripture and what we can learn from the prayers. And so we're kind of taking them a little bit sometimes, like, away from their context and just examining the prayers for what we can find in the prayers themselves. This morning, we're going to actually look at two prayers. They're both prayers of Jonah, and we're going to look at it within the context of what's going on there. But there's a lot for us to learn, and there's a lot to cover. So let's just pray, and then we'll dive in and get at it and see what God can speak to us about this morning. Father, this morning, as we come to you, we just again commit our time to you, and we say thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the way that by your spirit you are working in our hearts and our minds and that you can open our eyes and have us understand better who you are, what you're all about, and how we are then to live. And so on account of that, we say thank you. We ask for your blessing upon us, and we pray these things all by way of your son, Jesus Christ, and in his name. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me, if you would, to Jonah chapter 2. We're looking at Jonah's prayers in chapter 2 and then in chapter 4 this morning. And so a little background here uh, before we dive right into the prayers. You'll recall that uh, in the story of Jonah, God has come to Jonah. God goes to Jonah and he calls him to go and preach to the Ninevites in the city of Nineveh. And so God calls him to to go and, and warn the Ninevites of God's coming judgment on them because they are just, they're sinning, running rampant. They're just a mess, uh, what's going on there. So he calls Jonah to go to them, preach to them about God's coming judgment and call them to repentance. So that's the mission that God places on Jonah. But Jonah is having nothing of it. He is not interested at all in going to help out the Ninevites. So in modern day, if you will, if the, the city of Mosul in Iraq is partially built on the, the location of Nineveh. So it gives you kind of an idea of where we're talking about at this point in time. At that point in time, though, it was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria, the Assyrians were the arch enemies of the Jewish people. So Jewish people had no love for the Assyrians. And Nineveh was notorious for its debauchery and, and the way that they were living and so on, so vastly counter to what God is calling the children of Israel and how they're to live. And so as God goes to Jonah and says, hey, dude, 
my mission for you is to go to Nineveh and preach to these people. Jonah saying, yeah, not interested. Thanks very much, but I'm not choosing to accept the mission, so to speak. So it was like the worst assignment ever, and Jonah opts out. Now, instead of just opting out, Jonah rejects God and then runs. He heads out, takes off, in the opposite direction, almost literally. He heads for Joppa, which is a city on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, south of where he was, his hometown, southwest, and he jumps on a ship in Joppa. It's a port city, and, and he heads for the city of Tarshish, which we understand is probably somewhere on the south coast of Portugal, Spain area. And so that's where he's headed. So he's Instead of going up to Nineveh, northeast, he's going down and west and running as far away, rejecting God in his mission, running away from it. And so as he gets on this boat in Joppa then, he heads out there on this boat heading for Tarshish, and God brings up a storm, and it's a serious storm. And so the captain and the, the sailors on the boat are freaking right out because their lives are in jeopardy. They anticipate that this could kill them. And so as they're convinced that they're about to die, they come to understand that Jonah is the cause of this. Jonah admits it. He says, yeah, I'm the reason that this is going on. I'm running from God right now, and God is dealing with me. He sent this storm to deal with me. It's kind of coming as a consequence of that. So he tells them, Jonah tells them, to th the sailors, to throw him overboard. And if they throw him overboard out into the sea, then everything will calm down and, and the sea will be still and they'll be okay. And they finally relent to do this under some duress. They're a little bit afraid to, to accomplish this or to take God on because of what might happen to them and what, how his God might deal with them. But they decide to do it anyway. And so we're going to pick up the story right there. So we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and then we're going to dive right into chapter 2 all the way through to verse 10. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them. If not, they'll be on the screen, and, and we'll take a look and see where we go from here. All right. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. In the, in, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I, may, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. 
Two things right off the hop as we come to this account of Jonah. As we encounter this just from the 40,000 foot level, if you will, just a, categorical, a couple of categorical observations about the account of Jonah. First of all, we need to understand that God provided this fish or this whale to swallow Jonah, okay? We often think, I think, that Jonah was being punished by being swallowed by the whale. We come to the story of Jonah and we think of being swallowed by a whale as God's punishment. But in fact, it was God's provision for Jonah. It wasn't his punishment. And while I'm sure that it wasn't a particularly nice experience to be in the belly of a fish for three days... Jonah recognized that this was God's deliverance. And so we need to understand it as well. It was God's deliverance, his mercy, and not God's justice that winded up having Jonah in the belly of the whale. And what's more, as we look at this this morning, we're also going to recognize that the consequence of rejecting God and running from him is not just three days in a whale. Three days in the guts of some big fish. It's way different. It's way worse than that. So think about that as we go through this story. The second thing confronting us this morning as we come to this account of Jonah is the supernatural aspect of God. You can't read this story. You can't Engage with this story without coming face to face with the supernatural aspect of God. Okay? And you and I this morning, we don't like, generally speaking, I think, we don't like to confront the supernatural. We're uncomfortable when it comes to dealing with God working outside of the natural realm. So we do different things to... to, to deal with that or to try and cope with it. We, we try and dismiss it. You know, we, we look for, oh, well, that's allegorical. This is all just sort of some sort of analogy. It's figurative. It's, it's fantasy. It's, it's not real. Or else we will try and look at it and we will try and account for it within the, the realm of the real. And hence we've got, you know, all kinds of scientific exploration into whether or not people can live inside the belly of a whale or whether there's a fish big enough in the Mediterranean Sea that could swallow a man whole, etc., and then regurgitate him up on the beach and, and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that there's not any value in that or what have you. But if we're trying to dis- explain away, if we're trying to somehow dismiss the supernatural ability of God, then I want to submit to you this morning that we are denying and we're overlooking characteristics and aspects of our God that we are best not to. That we would be far wiser to learn to understand and engage in with Him. The long and the short of it is, is that God has within His ability the power to control nature. And he will intercede in it, in our world, supernaturally as he sees fit. 
What's more, though, as we look at this story, we see that this isn't just supernatural for the sake of supernatural. This isn't just God kind of showing off, if you will. It has a real purpose in in the story itself, saving Jonah, number one, but also, number two, in demonstrating to us God's character, beyond his ability, his character. Okay, we see him demonstrate his ability to control the, the natural realm supernaturally on account of his character, his grace, his mercy, and his love. So when we dismiss that, then we are missing the point that God intervenes in our world according to his character. And here we see him intervening on Jonah's behalf on account of his grace and his mercy and his love. Speaking to the supernatural aspect of God, J.I. Packer says this, a God whom we could understand exhaustively and whose revelation of himself confronted us with no mysteries whatsoever would be a God in man's image and therefore an imaginary God, not the God of the Bible at all. Think about that. Our God has the capacity and deals in the miraculous, in the supernatural, as it pleases Him. And what's more, rather than shun that, I would submit to you this morning that we should begin as Western Christians, as North American Christians maybe, that we should begin to lean into that a little bit more than we do, that we should try and embrace that. And perhaps we would begin to see that more. I wonder sometimes, if because we've tried to distance ourselves from, from that, as we've tried to explain God's supernatural ability away in order to keep it comfortable, if God has sort of said, well, all right then, so be it. And he's withdrawn himself from us. And we don't see these things nearly like others have. Or like he's willing to display himself in other respects. Just some thoughts. Take them home. Consider them for what they're worth. Let's turn now specifically to the story. And we'll get down into some of the, some of the specifics of the account. Verse 1 Verse 2a, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Now, as we, as we get into this, we've got to be careful. We slow down a little bit, because we tend to, to rush through this, and we miss some things, I think, oftentimes, or at least I do, and I don't, I'm going to pretend this morning that you guys are on my level, so sorry about that. Bringing you down to the lowest common denominator, me. But we tend, to, we tend to take these stories and we rush through them and we miss some of the nuances. So note, for example, here that Jonah begins his prayer speaking in the past tense. Okay? So he says that from inside the, the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord and he said, In my d- distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. He's not answering me in the future, he answered me in the past. So as Jonah is speaking to us here, he's speaking to us from the standpoint of already being in the fish. Okay? He's in the fish. And he's looking back 
at a prayer that he has prayed before this. He prayed for God's help. I called to the Lord and he answered me. And so as Jonah is thrown out of the boat and into the water, as he is now encompassed in these waves and beginning to experience the distress of that, he calls to the Lord and the Lord answers him by sending this fish to swallow him. So Jonah's not crying out from inside the fish for help. At this point, he's crying out in the water for help. And once he's in the fish now, he recognizes that the fish has been sent for his help. That it is God's way of saving him. We need to get that straight right from the word go. Moving on though, verses 2b to 4. From the deep in the realm of the dead I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Let's just stop there for a second. Last week Bruce was talking about the prayers of Job and the fact that God had subjected Job to some extremely difficult circumstances. And here again we see in Jonah's prayer that he recognizes the sailors threw him out of the boat. But it's been God that's been behind this. In his prayer, he attributes his problem, his distress to God. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. Bruce did an amazing job last week of talking about how we deal with the difficult circumstances in our lives. If you didn't get that message, if you didn't see that message, then you really need to, and, and, and I'm not just blowing smoke here this morning. This isn't just an advertisement. You need to go back and listen to Bruce's message. Because in our lives, we are going to encounter distress. We're going to have challenges and problems. And how we address those with God will make an incredible difference in our lives. If we get it right, we will find God in a whole new way. If we get it wrong, we will distance ourselves from God. And we will pay a consequence for that. So don't miss that. And here again, we see Jonah as he attributes this situation to God. He recognizes God's sovereignty. We need to as well. You and I need to understand that as well about God today. God is sovereign. And some of the things that we're going to encounter in our lives are going to come about and they're not going to be pretty and they're not going to be pleasant. But God is providing for them. He's allowing them whatever in his sovereignty. And we can lean into it then, not to say that we have to enjoy it because we're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be all pleasant roses, you know, warm fuzzies. So I'm not saying you fake it. Bruce talks about that. But let's lean into that and find God in it. So that like Bruce's friend, we can come through to the end and say, I wouldn't choose to do it again. But I have to say that I know God better now having been through this. And I'm closer to him on account of this. All right, let's carry on. Verse 4, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Okay, two things. Oh, okay, let's, let's go back to verse 1, or verse 2, the beginning of this section. I'm getting ahead of myself. When it says here in verse 2, from deep in the realm of the dead, in the realm of the dead, the word that's being translated here is Sheol. Okay, and this is important to understand as well. So, Jonah is saying, from the deep, in the realm of the dead, from 
the gates of Sheol, if you will. Sheol was a place that the Hebrews understood to be where the wicked were sent to await their final judgment. Okay, so have that picture in mind as Jonah's speaking there. He's saying that from that spot, from the gates of Sheol, where you're sent, where the wicked are sent, to await their final judgment, that's where he was. That he was at that point. That he had shunned God, that he had rejected God, that he was running away from God. And that's where he found himself. Was on the verge of that. Okay? So, in the storm, in the midst of being tossed into this water and so on and so forth, Jonah comes quickly to recognize the consequence, if you will, of his choice of rejecting God. It isn't just a little spanking and three days purgatory in the whale. It's been, he's been banished from God. He's at the gates of Sheol. So, what Jonah recognizes in this and what we need to recognize in this as well is that when we reject God and His call on our lives to follow Him, to live for Him, then what we're doing is we are running from God, we're rejecting Him, and God will then give us up to the consequence of our decision, which is to say that we will be separated from Him and banished from Him eternally. Jonah is telling us this story with a purpose. This isn't just a story. He wants us to know and understand his experience. He's speaking to us out, about, uh, out of his experience about what happens when we reject God. We need to understand that this morning. There's a consequence to rejecting God today. In your life, you might hear God calling you this morning. He might have been calling you for a long time. Maybe today he's just started. Maybe you're here for the first time. But he's calling you. And how you decide to respond to him has a very direct bearing on what happens to you for the rest of eternity. God's not going to force you. He's not going to manipulate you. He's not going to coerce you. He's calling you. And the decision is yours and mine. Will we follow him? Or will we reject him and turn and go our own way? As we make that decision, then ere goes our experience, our fate. In that moment, as Jonah is on the gates of Sheol, he turns to God. From the very cusp if you will, he remembers God and cries out to him. And God, in his mercy, even then, before it was too late, then sends help, salvation to Jonah in the form, in the form of, of a fish. And at that point, we see Jonah, his whole perspective changed. 
He says, I will look again on the temple, which is to say, I will follow you again. I will live through this now in order to live for you going forward. Verses 5 to 7. Once more, Jonah's going to take another crack at this so that we don't miss it. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. Roots of the mountains just mean below the depths of the sea. The earth beneath barred me in forever. He was in a prison. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah takes one more run at explaining what he has experienced. He was engulfed by the water. He had sunk to the depths of the sea, the deepest part of the sea. He was imprisoned and about to die, and there was no escaping it in and of himself. It was beyond him. And at that point, he prays. He remembers God, and God answers. The point here again is that Jonah recognized his plight. He recognized his position. He was lost. This was the consequence of his decision, of having turned away from God. And at that point, he recognized that he needed to make a change. And he did. As his life was ebbing away, he turned back to God, and God saves him. Verses 8 and 9 go on. And we see here Jonah offering some commentary now to us from that perspective going forward. He says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah's prayer ends noting the worthlessness of idols. He's offering us some insight into life now. He knows that he's been saved. And he's reflecting back and he, and he does some assessment. And he says, as we choose to follow these different things in our lives, these things other than God, as we pursue our own interests, as we pursue whatever it is that rings our bell, that we think is better, than God, a better idea, a better plan, a better option. He says, we find them to be worthless. They're idols. They're of no consequence. They're worthless to us. And there's a contrast here between Jonah's prayer as he's prayed to God and God has responded and the sailor's prayer, which we see back in chapter 1, verse 5, where in the midst of the storm, as they're freaking out and as they're trying to appeal to their gods, it says they prayed to their gods, but nothing happened. There's a consequence here, there's, or there's a contrast here. Jonah's saying, hey, when we pursue our gods, when we pursue these worthless idols, nothing happens. It's, it doesn't account to anything. We end up at the gates of Sheol, and shortly thereafter, in Sheol itself. But when we pray to God, when we turn to God, then we find salvation. Not just for the life hereafter, but in this life as well. 
In verse 9, Jonah then turns to full-on praise to God. And the prayer culminates with his declaration that salvation comes from the Lord. This morning, church friends, church family, salvation is only of the Lord. The world tries to tell us a lot of different things, up to and including that salvation is in and of yourself. And Jonah tells us this morning that that's all garbage, that's all worthless idols. Salvation only comes from the Lord. Who are you chasing this morning for your salvation? Who are you turning to? What are you turning to for your salvation today? Jonah would plead with us, turn to the Lord, because salvation only comes from the Lord. And at that point then, verse 10, it says, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry ground. Now, we can't stop here just at Jonah's prayer in chapter 2. We need to look also at his prayer in chapter 4 for us to get even just a fuller picture of this this morning. You'll recall from the story, those of you that are familiar with it, and if you're not, let me just catch you up a little bit. The fish vomits Jonah up on the shore, and Jonah lives up to his word. He goes now to Nineveh. He obeys the Lord, and off he goes, and he preaches to the Ninevites. And they repent. They come to Lord. It's a, it's a, to the Lord. It's, it's, it's a, a phenomenal result, really. The king on down, there's just a, a mass wholesale change in these people's lives. And at that point, it just in, it evokes from Jonah, unfortunately, those old sentiments that he had before about begrudging his enemies actually being saved by, by God. And so he's torqued about this. He's really ticked off. He just can't stomach the fact that God is showing these Ninevites the same mercy that he showed the children of Israel. And in fact, he's just shown Jonah personally himself. And so we'll pick it up there in Jonah 4 now, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. So Jonah prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, when God had first come to him and said, I want you to go to preach to Nineveh, and Jonah rejected it? Isn't isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? that, That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God and a compassionate God and slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He's ticked off that God has demonstrated his mercy and his love to these Ninevites. And so then he says, now God, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. (laughs) Wow. You know, Jonah throws this hissy fit that God has helped out these people. And, And we read this and we look at it and we shake our heads, right? Like, dude, like how obtuse do you have to be to recognize the hypocrisy of what you're doing right now? And we shake our heads. And we look down on Jonah. Shame, shame, Jonah. Shame, shame. God has just saved you, and now you're begrudging these poor Ninevites the same treatment from God. 
And we wonder how we can be so dense. But in that this morning, I can't help but think that we're indicting ourselves today in that attitude. Because again, if you're like me, and if I look at my life, far too often, far too often, I am so happy that God has saved me. But as I look at others, I think, well, they're just getting what they deserve. I look around, and rather than be being worried and concerned for their eternal well-being, I am casting them down in my own judgment, just like Jonah. I look at my personal enemies, the people that tick me off, that seem to be upset with me or whatever, ticked off about me or whatever, and I think to myself, God, you just deal with them. That'll be fine. Thank you very much. Or I look at certain people groups out there that somehow have not measured up in my mind. And I think, well, you know, serves them right. Serves them right. I look at people in other socioeconomic classes and I think, well, they're not worth it anyway. God, deal with them. Just handle that. And I write them off as unworthy. This morning, as we look at Jonah, and as now we come to communion, we see that salvation comes from the Lord. That he is sovereign. And then he wants none to perish. And he is about everyone having that option to find him and find his mercy and be saved from hell. As we come to communion, we recognize that in the gift of Jesus Christ, then God has spared no expense for yours and my salvation. But not just yours and mine, for everyone. That his offer is open to everyone this morning to come to him and be saved. The question is, will you and I choose to place our faith in him? Will we turn to him for our salvation? Or are we going to continue to run our own way? Today, as we partake together of communion, I'd encourage you, reflect first of all on the fact that without Christ, you and I in our lives today would be standing on the threshold of Sheol, just like Jonah was. That we, we, we would be nigh unto an eternity in hell separated from God. But with Christ and our lives ebbing away, we have an opportunity to be saved from that today. Through what God has done through his Son, 
that we have salvation today and an eternity much different. The opportunity to be with God forever in heaven. But also this morning, as we consider communion, can I ask you, who is it in your life that God is calling you to go and talk to? Who is it in your sphere of influence that God is calling you to go and tell about his mercy and his grace so that they could repent and come to him and we're ignoring? That we're not willing to go and talk to. Talk to God about that in case there's someone that that applies to in your world. I'm going to ask the ushers, the servers to come forward. As they come this morning, you don't have to be a member of First Baptist Church to take part in communion. It's not about FBC. It's not about this church. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. All that you need to do in order to participate in communion this morning is, first of all, have come to the point in your life where you recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, where you have placed your faith in him. And if you haven't come to that point, then I would encourage you not to partake. Actually, biblically, the scripture tells us don't actually participate in this. And there's no shame in that. We appreciate that. Uh, we've got visitors with us all the time that are still trying to work through this and figure it out. So there's no shame. Just let the plates pass by. And if you've got questions, then I'd love for you to come and talk to me. You could talk to anyone up here. You could talk to someone that maybe brought you, one of the other staff. We'd be excited to try and help answer those questions as well. The other thing that needs to be in place is that you need to be in good standing with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to the best of your ability that you've done everything that you can to resolve your issues with them and, and get past them. And so if you know somebody that, is, that you have a problem with and that you need to address that with, then until you get that looked after, then I would encourage you again not to take part in this. I'm going to Pray, and then the servers are going to pass out the elements if you just keep them. We've got these little self-contained communion cups, so they'll have a wafer on the top. You have to take that first layer off, and you can get to the wafer, and then peel back the second uh, layer, and you get to the juice. Um, and we'll go from, from there. As If you just wait until everyone's been saved, or served, I mean, ah, we'll wait until everyone's been saved. I'm not sure how long we'll be here today. We'll wait until everyone's been served and then we'll all partake together. Um, the juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. The wafer represents his body that was broken for us. And that is how he accomplished our salvation. He paid the penalty of our sin. He allowed himself to die and then rose again, sufficiently paying for the penalty of sin so that whoever chooses to believe in him and put their faith in him should have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we come to this story of Jonah, Lord, it's not just a story from way back when. It's the story for each one of us. Lord, you're calling each of us today to follow you, to live for you, to place our trust in you. And so I would pray, God, that you would be with each of us as we consider that. For those that don't know you yet, that haven't come to that place where they've put their faith in you, that you would...
continue to demonstrate yourself to them, that you would call them, that you would make yourself real to them, that they would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt and that they would come to that decision. For the rest of us that have placed our faith in you, that we would continue to pursue your call on our lives, that we would live for you more, that we would engage with you and accept the missions that you give us, that we would go out and we would speak to the world around us about who you are, what you've done, and why they need you as well. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and that through him we have salvation. Salvation does, in fact, come from you through him. We acknowledge that this morning and we say thank you for that gift to us so undeserved, for all of us so unworthy. So this morning, as we think of what you've done to accomplish that, I pray again that you would bless us to the furtherance of your kingdom, that you would help us to be your people, and that we would share that message to the world around us, that salvation is from you. For I ask this all now in Christ's name. Amen. Hopefully you can navigate these things. It's always like a bit of a challenge for me, one of those puzzles that I can't work. This way for here, this little chip is a token representing Christ's body that was broken for us. And the juice is his blood shed for us. Scripture, he's commanded to do this in remembrance of him. So let's eat and partake together. Thank you so much for coming out on the long weekend and being here together with us. We're excited to have you. Hope you'll be back next week. We're going to be looking at David's prayer in Psalm 51. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, I've been working on that already. I'm excited about it and trust that you'll be here so we can learn again together from God. Have a great week.